2: from KQED.
0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A statewide program aimed at improving COVID vaccine availability in hard-hit communities is being misused, according to an investigation by the Los Angeles Times. The Times found that special vaccination appointment access codes that are meant to be distributed in largely black and Latino communities have been circulating in group text and messages in more affluent parts of Los Angeles. And many of those people who got access to the codes aren't even eligible yet for a vaccination. The state has acknowledged the problem and says it's working to better monitor the use of the codes. Some good news for Californians struggling economically during the pandemic. State lawmakers have passed a $7.6 billion COVID relief package with strong bipartisan support. KQED's Katie Orr reports.
4: The money will be used for several purposes, including direct payments for the state's lowest earners. More than $2 billion will go toward additional grants for small businesses hurt by COVID. Federal money will also be funneled toward supporting state-subsidized child care. And previous cuts to the state's university systems will be restored. Senate Leader Tony Atkins urged support for the package.
5: But I also ask for your agreement that we aren't done here. This work isn't done. There's much more that needs to be done for our communities, and there's more for us to do. The package
4: will now go to Governor Gavin Newsom, who also supports it. In the coming days, lawmakers will also vote on more than $2 billion in state tax relief for COVID-affected businesses. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento.
0: Meanwhile, Governor Gavin Newsom says the San Joaquin Valley will get a big boost in its COVID-19 vaccine allocation. As Valley Public Radio's Kerry Klein reports, that's due in part to the region's farm workers who are now eligible for the vaccine.
5: Valley counties will now be receiving thousands more doses, an average increase of 58% each week. That's because the state has changed how it distributes the vaccine. In earlier weeks, each county's share was based on its population of seniors and healthcare workers, But starting this week, the calculation also takes into account essential workers in Tier 1B, including food and ag workers. That's a huge boon to the Valley, which is chronically underserved by doctors, but contains the three top-producing agricultural counties in the country. Newsom made the announcement in the small Kern County city of
0: Arvin. These are the folks that never took a day off. These are the folks that never complained. These are folks that wake up every single day and were there for the rest of us so we can go about our lives.
5: Newsom also announced a one-time boost to the Valley's supply.
0: We are redirecting 34,000 doses that one of our large pharmacies had that were not being administered as efficiently as expected as I like.
5: The state is now requiring counties to set aside 30% of their vaccine doses, specifically for food and ag workers, educators, and first responders. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno.
0: Healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente says its supply of coronavirus vaccine is expected to increase this week to 20% of what the state gets. The increase means the healthcare giant is now able to offer vaccine appointments to people 65 and older. Anthony Wright, head of Health Access California, says he hopes Kaiser will use its medical record system to target people in areas most in need of vaccination. We want to have an efficient as well as equitable rollout for this uh, vaccine, and Kaiser has some tools that other providers and counties do not. Kaiser says in a statement that it has a longstanding commitment to health equity and has been helping to vaccinate some of the most vulnerable populations in California. Kaiser provides health care for about one in four people in the state. How do you protect yourself from COVID-19 when you have nowhere to go? Well, that's a question some incarcerated men have been asking themselves during the pandemic. Lompoc prison in Santa Barbara County has struggled to control the spread. The facility had the worst COVID outbreak in a federal prison last year. But today, local politicians and some former inmates say they're still alarmed about the handling of COVID-19 at the facility. In Lompoc, here's reported Dina Montague.
2: It's a cool Saturday morning in a rural part of Santa Barbara County and a few men in gray sweats are lined up, arms around each other's shoulders, eyes closed. These men are incarcerated at the low to medium security federal prison in Lompoc. After a moment with their heads bowed, the men start exercising. Until recently, Burned Appleby was one of them.
1: We just take care of
0: ourselves.
2: He served 16 months at Lompoc for a white collar crime. When COVID hit, he was terrified.
1: There's no social distancing. You're sleeping a couple feet away from someone else.
2: The Federal Bureau of Prisons says it has conducted widespread testing of inmates at Lompoc, but Appleby disagrees. My dormitory was never tested. Never at all. Never tested. Appleby was finally tested for COVID-19 right before his release in October. In a statement, a bureau spokesperson said any inmate displaying symptoms of COVID-19 will be tested and placed in medical isolation. Inmates will also be tested when entering or departing any Bureau of Prisons facility. Even with this response, the mayor of Lompoc, Janelle Osborne, is concerned. But I think
5: there are some systemic issues.
2: For example, over 11 days in May, active COVID cases fell from 931 to 16. A more recent uptick and decline in January has Mayor Osborne worried about the cause of the new cases.
5: The first time I heard of the new uptick was once again as I did the last time, which was outreach by members of the families that have prisoners in residence and by locals who knew of the uptick because they have family that works out there. And and that's frustrating.
2: In an effort to reduce infection rates, former U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr directed the Bureau of Prisons to prioritize the release of nonviolent, at-risk inmates to finish their terms at home, what's known as home confinement. But Don Spector, executive director of the prison law office, says at Lompoc, this has been refused for unclear reasons.
0: They're using prior offenses uh, as a disqualifier. They're, they're using the amount of time served as a disqualifier.
2: Even though the risk of contracting COVID in prisons is high. Spector is representing incarcerated men at Lompoc in a class action lawsuit. He says that his legal team has been trying for the last eight months to get a court order to allow more men to see out their sentences at home, but without success. I reached out to the Federal Bureau of Prisons for data on the number of inmates transferred to home confinement from Lompoc, but only system-wide figures were made available. For Burned Appleby, even though he served his time, it's not over.
1: I was just so, so disgusted, okay, with, with the whole process that I said, you know, I'm not just going to
0: drop this once I get out, okay? You know, I want a, want a voice to be heard, and I'm a proud American citizen, and I think
1: that we can do better.
2: For The California Report, I'm Dina Montague.
0: In immigration, the Biden administration is getting rid of a Trump-era U.S. citizenship test, saying it could create unnecessary barriers to becoming American citizens. That includes 2 million eligible immigrants in California. KQED's Farida Javala-Romero reports.
1: Last December, the Trump administration doubled the length of the required civics test and increased the number of possible questions immigrants could be asked. Now, the Biden administration is reverting to a version that they say was carefully developed and had been in place for more than a decade.
0: It's universal relief with, among the students has been pretty clear. They're very happy by it.
1: Glenn Olson oversees citizenship classes at the Immigration Institute of the Bay Area.
0: In a situation that's already a high stakes thing for families, this will make it easier for them to achieve a goal that many of them have had for years and
1: years. The shorter exam will speed the process and help reduce a backlog of almost a million pending naturalization applications, says Eric Cohen. He directs the Immigrant Legal Resource Center in San Francisco.
3: And I think it is a, a signal to the country that the Biden-Harris administration is going to go back to a pro-immigrant uh, stance
1: U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services says it will phase out the Trump-era test by April 19th. For the California Report, I'm Farida Yavala-Romero.
0: Later today, California Attorney General Javier Becerra begins the congressional confirmation process to become the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services in the Biden administration. Here's Becerra speaking about the importance of the job after his nomination was announced in December.
3: The mission of the Department of Health and Human Services has never been as vital or as urgent as it is today. The COVID pandemic and its economic fallout have thrust families into crisis. To build back a prosperous America, we need a healthy America. That then will be job one for your team at
0: HHS. However, Javier Bassetta's confirmation isn't expected to be a cakewalk. Many Republicans in Congress don't like Biceta because of its defense of progressive causes and for suing the Trump administration more than 120 times, including to defend the Affordable Care Act. I spoke about Biceta's record as it relates to health care with Ryan Levy. He's a journalist and producer of Tradeoffs, a podcast series about health care policy. One of the big things he
3: did was take on Sutter Health. Folks in Northern California will recognize Sutter Health as one of really the dominant uh, hospital systems in the region. They've got 24 hospitals. And there was a lawsuit that the Attorney General's office brought uh, in 2018 suing Sutter, saying that they had used that market dominance to illegally raise prices on consumers, on patients. He sued Sutter and was able to actually get a $575 million settlement, as well as getting Sutter to agree not to do some of these anti-competitive practices that led to those higher costs. And this is a really big deal, not just in California, but across the country. Uh, When you talk to experts, they'll tell you that high hospital prices are one of the biggest reasons that we pay so much for healthcare. And this consolidation, this merging of hospitals and the growth of these health systems is one of the biggest drivers behind those high costs.
0: And, you know, certainly a lot of Republicans don't like him because he was such an antagonist to the Trump administration. A lot of Republican uh, members of Congress and some senators have signed a letter requesting that the administration rescind his nomination as secretary of health and human services what kind of reception do you think how rough is it going to be for him in in the nomination process
3: he's faced some of the most pushback of any of president biden's cabinet nominations so far republicans have pushed back on his support for the aca his support even more than that for single-payer as well as his background, you know, they, they've talked about he's not, you know, he doesn't have the proper experience necessary for this. He's not a doctor. He's not a public health expert. We should say, you know, that letter you mentioned, there were only 11 senators that signed on to that. And even if every Republican senator came out against and voted against Becerra, he could still become the HHS secretary. Uh, with votes from 50 Democratic senators and his predecessor as California attorney general, now Vice President Kamala Harris.
0: And finally, if he is confirmed as Secretary of Health and Human Services, has he given any indication about what he wants to do with American health care?
3: One big thing is the Affordable Care Act. Health inequities, health disparities is another thing that has come up a lot. You know, he would be the first Latino Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, and he's expected to talk in his opening statement later today about, you know, his parents who were immigrants from Mexico and how kind of they were able to live the American dream. And part of that American dream is the ability to be healthy and have access to health care. And then as you you know brought up the consolidation piece, you know, consolidation and health care prices growing prices is a huge issue all across the country and so there are definitely a lot of a lot of folks who are expecting and interested to see if he tries to tackle that issue on a national scale
0: all right that is Ryan levy producer of the great podcast about healthcare public policy trade-offs Ryan thanks so much
3: thanks for having me Saul
0: and that is the California report for Tuesday February 23rd we are a production of KQED public radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes
5: the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.